Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, and welcome back to She Speaks Life podcast. I have with me author Amy Norhues, who will be sharing with us a raw story about her escape from the abuse of a psychiatrist and how God showed her a way out and brought her healing. Hi, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. Hi. Thank you. Well, I know you wrote a book about this, a memoir, and it's called Prayed Upon. And as I was looking, you kind of had a play on words there. You had P-R-A-Y-E-D, and then uh, above that, or on top of the A, you put an E. And then the subtitle is Finding My Freedom from Therapist Abuse. And I, I wanted to let our listener know that your book was first place in Inspire Christian Writers, a great openings contest for nonfiction. And you have published many articles on this topic and you have a blog. And so uh, I would love for you just to dive right into where this all begins, this abuse. Take us back. Yes. In 2013, I start seeing this therapist. He's also a psychiatrist and he is an elder at my new church. I was attending Celebrate Recovery the year before and really became what I say as a new believer, just really um, on fire for God, just realizing how personal and present he was. And so when I found out this therapist was an elder at this new church that I was attending, I just thought I was in excellent hands. I went to see him really for issues just surrounding um, past sexual abuse, low self-esteem, and I just wanted to work on my marriage and parenting and things like that. Um, I've been you know, taken advantage of many times in my lifetime, but never have I ever experienced grooming or like a slow manipulation, um, you know, luring me into a relationship where I was supposedly he cared about me and, and I was special to him and he pretended as if he was like a father figure to me. Um, and so it was very a very slow, insidious process. And one of the reasons I write the book is because I didn't even think as an adult I could be manipulated in a way, in mm-hmm. such a way. And, and so I wanted other victims to know, you know that they weren't alone either. And I wanted yeah. people who don't understand to be able to read the book and say, well, I, I kind of get it. I, I kind of see how we could all be taken advantage of in this way. Yeah, so, I gotta say, when you sent me your book, I was reading it, and that's one of the things that stood out to me: how gradual this uh, manipulation was. Yeah, I've been seeing him once a week for an hour from I think like April to December. So mm-hmm. that's I mean that's almost a year before there was even something that I noticed to be maybe a red flag, and even then, it seemed kind of minor. And I thought, well, I'm I'm just kind of overreacting and. Um, I'm probably yeah. just a little too sensitive and, mm-hmm. and the, and the events were so far apart that I didn't, didn't connect any of them until I got out. Mm-hmm. It was a year and a month that I saw him. And at the end it was blatant sexual abuse. Again, I still thought it had come from 
a place of caring and concern and maybe he went too far or maybe there was some weird relationship with his mother or something, I still did not see that it was a sinister thing. Mm -hmm. Once I was able to get out and look back, I realized it had been um, orchestrated starting on day one. And the whole thing had been, you know, a joke to him, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'd never encountered any, that kind of evil. I'd never encountered a sociopath in real life. And I, I didn't even really, it's hard for my brain to grasp that you can do that to another human being, you know, right. just see them as objects to be discarded. Right. So what made you think, what was that first thing that was like, oh, this is like, wrong. This is inappropriate. The first thing was in December around Christmas time, I came in and he offered to rub my feet or my shoulders for a Christmas present. And I panicked and froze. And, you know, in my mind, I was thinking like, say something, like pick one, like, you know, it, it yeah. no didn't feel like a choice. Um, and, and I felt like he's a professional. He's like a grandfather type. He's a therapist. He's probably offering this for therapeutic reasons. And you're just really oversensitive. Like he's just asking to touch your feet. Like, is that really that big of a deal? So I kind of like talked myself down and, and again, felt like, well, you have to pick one or one or the other. And I think I said mm -hmm. shoulder rub. And then the minute he started to, he came over and rubbed my shoulders, it freaked me out. And I said, or feet rub, feet rub, just to get mm -hmm. him back. And yeah. Sadly, I felt like I had to sit through that and pretend that it was comfortable. It's like, heaven forbid, mm -hmm. I make somebody else feel uncomfortable for making me feel uncomfortable. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that it was weird and I didn't, I don't know that I felt that it was wrong, but I thought it was definitely strange um, and definitely made me feel uncomfortable. I just wasn't sure if I had the right, it's like, who was I to tell him he was being inappropriate? Mm -hmm. So I sat through it and then it became commonplace and he rubbed my feet after that. And I thought it was great. And I thought, I love that I was more than just a regular client. And I knew that he saw me as like a daughter. And I truly thought, you know, kind of being this, maybe this naive new Christian that God was blessing me in this way, that he was trying to show me that there can be safe nurturing touch from a male and that there can be, you know, sort of making up for maybe nurturing that I, I didn't get as a child and showing me it's okay. And so mm -hmm. I thought my reactions were like, because of my experiences, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And that yeah. God was trying to show me it's okay. If it's with a safe person, that's, that's fine. And it's human and it's normal to desire that. So, yeah, yeah, that was the first brain brainwashed, right? Yeah, just you know, it's utterly confusing. I mean, just imagine it's like sometimes I think you you go to your dentist, and I mean, I know that's different because you don't build a relationship, but they they mm -hmm. all of a sudden offer something that's so out there. I mean, a lot of times I just freeze and I just mm -hmm. get through it. I just get through it so that I can leave. I, my brain doesn't know how to process it and handle it. Yeah. So you went through ab abuse earlier on in life. 
So do you think this was just kind of not healing from that and just going into, you know, feeling like you don't have a voice, you're not worthy enough, you think it just carried over? Yeah, I definitely think that abuse at a young age, it kind of puts a target on your back and it lets you know that you are not worth as much as regular people, that this wouldn't have happened to you if you were, that there's something different about you, bad about you. Um, almost as if you need to make up for that, um, you know, overcompensate for this badness that that we carry. And so, yeah, when when someone is then inappropriate with us when we're older and we know that it isn't right, we see it, but we don't feel that we have enough value to say anything to, like I said, make the abuser feel uncomfortable. Mm hmm. Right. Okay. So when did this finally end? Like, when was it like a awakening? You're like, okay, this is, this is, we're done yeah. here. There was kind of a, a buildup, but he started, he tried to morph the relationship eventually from a father daughter to more romantic. And that was extremely unsettling to me and not okay with mm -hmm. me. And I let him know that was not okay with me, that I wasn't comfortable with that. But at the same time, was I was attached, so I kept going back, and I kept thinking, "Well, well, he'll stop when I make him realize that this isn't what I want. He'll stop." Um, but at the very end, when he started hinting towards sexual things, I was like, "Oh my gosh, get me out of here!" And what really cinched it for me was because, again, you have to remember, although I didn't want that and it was inappropriate. I did think that he was a kind person that he cared about me, but that, that he was, I don't know, somehow tripped up or um, somehow went too far. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the sinister piece. So at the very end, last session, it's really sad for me to say this every time I say it, but I asked him if he would just talk to me, if we could keep clothes on and he could just talk to me. He's my therapist and mm -hmm. I'm begging him you know, asking him and his answer was so cold and so cruel. Um, and I saw then what I needed to see that there's zero care and concern for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing to him. Um, and, you know, as sad as this is, I still felt like I had to get through the session. I didn't feel I could just leave because I mean, that would be mm -hmm. rude. Right. Um, so I kind of, I get through that session and I leave and I know I'm never going back. Um, so it was really, really seeing the evil there at the end, seeing just the cruelty and the coldness. I just had no idea that could possibly be there. Mm -hmm. I suspected it. I was starting to see glimpses of it, but again, I didn't know that could even really exist. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I needed to see. And then I was, and I was praying just day and night. At first I was praying, God, are you trying to tell me to get out or is, are you, or is Satan trying to take away something good that you gave me? I mean, I was so confused. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, when it was clearly inappropriate, I still felt like I couldn't leave him. It would devastate him to, if I left him because that's what he told me. And he was, I thought he was fragile and I felt guilty to leave. And I was praying and God literally said to me, Amy, he is not your problem to fix. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're right. And then I drove to my pastor's house and I told he and his wife everything. So the, the bond is so confusing because mm -hmm. even when I knew he was hurting me, I still felt like I couldn't leave. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's enemy. The devil uh, likes to confuse us. I'm, I'm sorry you went through that. Now take us through the healing process. Yeah, there's a lot of stages, but in the very beginning, I didn't think I could survive it. And I, I literally clung to God because he's all I had. I didn't trust anyone, not a mm -hmm. soul. I didn't want to tell my husband. I didn't want to tell anyone. I, I just wanted to get better and move on and keep the secret. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, so I clung to God and, and my faith was intact. Um, but what I really needed to know in the beginning was, am I the only one on the planet that is this naive, that's this dumb, that's this needy, whatever it was that was bad about me? And I found an organization um, of, of adult victims of therapist and clergy abuse, and I just hung on their words. They just told me over and over, you're not alone and it wasn't your fault. You're not alone. It wasn't your fault. I started to accept that I wasn't alone and that I wasn't the only one. And that made me feel better. But it took a very long time for me to sort out what was my fault and what wasn't. I mean, I hated myself um, because I didn't understand it. And, um, you know, eventually I, I tell my husband everything because that's just, you know, the person that I am. And and we have to begin our own roller coaster healing process. Mm -hmm. Um Eventually, I decided to report this doctor to the medical board, and that was another step in just speaking out for myself. And even, and you know, just the fact that strangers wanted to fight for me was just crazy to me. I just mm -hmm. couldn't believe that they would care about just me. Like, and so that was healing. And I, I feel like God allowed me to be the only victim for a long time because He wanted me to know that even if it was just me, I was valuable enough to be fought for. Um, later on, another victim comes forward and there was some healing in that, especially the healing that I needed to accept that I had never been special to the abuser. And anyway, that's just another stage. You kind of have to, you have to grieve this illusion. You have to grieve the fantasy that you thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and that takes time. And then, um, I eventually do file a civil suit again, standing up for myself was healing, but the true healing came with really writing out what happened to me so I could understand it, seeing the intricate grooming and recognizing these lies that I'd been believing about myself all these years and how they were, you know, making me vulnerable to predators and, and how they were just utterly damaging. And so what I did was I started to write love letters from God to myself, even though I didn't feel it. I didn't feel God's love. I didn't feel I deserved his love, but I knew that scripture didn't lie. And so I knew that it was truth. So I wrote it anyway. And so I would just mm -hmm. kind of throw it at God, like, well, look what I did. Well, I didn't leave sooner. Well, you know, kind of the, the, but, 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 and letting him say over and over to me, child, this is how I see you. And this was not your fault. And I love you. And I forgive you. And Eventually, those things started to kind of penetrate, and that's where the true healing came, is, is the healing of the self-hatred that I'd always carried. Mm -hmm. So I feel like God used this experience to heal me from this trauma, but also to heal me from traumas that started at the age of three. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, his truth taking root in your life so that you can... Uh, refresh your, renew your mind, right? With the word and what God says to you. I love that, you know, there was this 
enlightening and this awakening in your mind and heart that God told you, hey, look, this is your identity, not what happened to you in life. Don't define yourself by that. You know, I give you your identity. So did the psychiatrist end up uh, getting in trouble or what happened to him? About a week after my pastor did confront him and he agreed to step down as elder, obviously, um, the medical board did their full investigation and allowed him to surrender his license, which doesn't sound like a lot, but at least it did stop him from practicing in my state. And mm -hmm. they let me know that it was only the, um, I think the fifth permanent surrender of license in 20 years that they'd ever issued. So typically a doctor can reapply for their license after one year, but his was a permanent surrender and that was healing. And then, yeah, there's no criminal legislation in my state for therapist abuse. In 32 of our states, there is criminal legislation against therapist sexual involvement with a client. Um, it's even, it's completely unethical even for a therapist to be involved with a client sexually after therapy has terminated. Um, mm -hmm. It can still be damaging then because you never, the, the, Relation, the therapist-client relationship really never goes away, and the therapist is always going to be in the position of power there. So because I didn't have the, that opportunity available to me, I did file a civil suit, which was essentially just between you know, me and his insurance company. But it was mm -hmm. something. It was just a way that I could fight for myself. So yeah. yes and no. Yeah. Did he get what he deserved? I don't think so. But I had to really trust that God can handle that and let that go mm -hmm. and not get caught up in the unfairness of it all. So God is a God of justice. He's just, and the vengeance is his, says right. scripture. So even though we can't see it in the natural, God, you know, is doing the work for us to bring justice, right? right. And I, I wanted to dive into your kind of the play on words of your book and maybe share something that we didn't really cover in the book. I thought that was such a, a great title. Thank you. I, yeah, I love that too. Um, it was important for me to have that title because it was the prey, P-R-A-Y, that made me trust him. He was an elder at my church. He wore a cross necklace. He was on the prayer team. And we literally began our sessions in prayer mm -hmm. in his office. Um, so I think I'm being preyed upon um, when really it is P-R-E-Y that is happening. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he the therapy was all about bringing Jesus into the broken places. And he said the Holy Spirit was his boss. So it was very much in a spiritual setting. And that made it hard for me to spot, you know, the trickery. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes when I would feel critical of maybe something he was saying or suggesting, I would think, am I criticizing God? Uh, am I criticizing like the Holy Spirit's plan or the therapy? Um, mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. you know, as far as things we haven't covered in the book, I think just the devastation and the pain that comes when adult victims come forward, I think, I think they, there's a lot of judgment about victims that come forward and they have no idea what it takes and what we have to go through to come forward. We have to risk everything. We have to risk, you know, spouses that may not understand how, how are they going to understand when we don't even understand what just happened. We have to risk mm -hmm. 
a reputation. Um, I had to lose, you know, my old church to answer your question. Yes, I'm struggling in the area of church, but I, I tried to stay and I just couldn't. And the gossip mill was in full swing. You know, the pastor didn't inform the congregation of what happened. So it just got to be whatever the gossip mill turned out. So, mm, and I live yeah. in a small town. And so mm-hmm. I'll never know to this day when people look at me, you know, what they know or what they think. And I, again, have to trust God that um, mm-hmm. that's one thing that I, that I is important to me for victims to know is that we don't owe explanations to anyone. And do victims of crimes owe explanations about the crime? No, that's that's silly. I mean, we would never expect that. But in our situation, we are owed an ex- we owe an explanation per society. At least that's how we feel because so many people don't understand it, and it can be very easily labeled an affair. But for it to be an affair, there has to be consent, and for there to be consent, there has to be an equal balance of power. And there is no balance of power between doctor-patient, therapist-patient, pastor, congregant, period. Yeah. What a false teacher, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, Yeah. Horrible. And when I wrote this book, I hoped that the reader could see that someone could go through a tragedy like this, even abuse by a religious leader, and God can still be present and loving. And... You can still, you know, have your relationship with Jesus, even when your relationship with church has been obliterated. Mm. And I, you know, it kills me to think that these abusers would take away the relationship of the one person that truly understands us and loves us unconditionally. My hope is that victims can fight for that relationship with Jesus, even when they can't trust the church. That's okay. Yeah. That's good. Thanks, Amy. Thank you for sharing this story. I know it's not easy to go through and retell again. You know, it brings up emotions and whatnot, but it's important for us to bring these up to the surface so that we don't feel like we're alone. Uh, Just like that helped you heal, hearing other women. How did they get through this? Having other women come along beside you and say, it wasn't your fault. And this is how I got through and and got healing. So um, it's important for us to share our story and be a voice. And I appreciate you coming on here and and doing just that. Okay. So where can people buy your book and connect with you? Uh, My website is the best um, for that. It would be amynordhues.com, A-M-Y-N-O-R-D-H-U-E-S. You can buy a signed paperback copy on my website and I, and I send out a free gift. Um, or you can find the ebook or paperback on Amazon. Um, it's in Kindle Unlimited, so if you have that, it would be free. And as far as my website, I have as many resources as I've been able to come up with. And um, you can email me and I will reply. So good. So yeah, if you know anybody, if, if it's not you that... Uh, can relate to this, but maybe you know somebody that has gone through abuse or you may think they're going through it uh, right now, that uh, please share this story with them and the resources of Amy's website. Uh, Thanks, Amy, for coming on here. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. 
You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.